you guys have your Bibles this evening, turn to Luke's Gospel, beginning with chapter 1, and start at verse 26 tonight. We're kind of taking a sneak peek tonight at a gospel that we're going to be going through starting on Sunday mornings pretty soon here. Because Luke's gospel recorded the account of Jesus' birth, of his arrival here on this world. And being that Christmas is a time when we celebrate our Lord's coming. Tonight, in our study, we learn that through Christ, through Jesus coming to this world, that with God, nothing will be impossible. That's the title of my study tonight. As we take a look at when Christ's birth was announced to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Let's first just take a, a, a quick reading of the verses that we're going to be covering tonight on this announcement of Christ's birth, beginning in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 26, we read, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in the angel, said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We have this announcement of the gospel here, the announcement that the Christ has come 
to the world that through Mary, she was going to bear the Savior of all mankind. And it, perhaps this wasn't enough for her. It was so much overwhelming truth to her where she was like, "What? how can this be? The angel told her, look, your relative Elizabeth, she also is pregnant. She's six months pregnant. And this also would be a sign to Mary that what the angel was speaking was truth. And the beginning of Luke's gospel, what we didn't read tonight, but at the beginning of Luke's gospel, Luke accounts for John the Baptist, for his birth, for his conception. You see, John the Baptist's mother and father, they were old and they were unable to have children anymore. And John's father, Zacharias, he was a priest doing his priestly duties at the temple, which when he was called upon only happened to him on a very rare occasion to go in before the temple by himself to give alms to the Lord. And when his time had come to actually fulfill his duty, when he went in there, the angel appeared to him, Gabriel, and told him that he was going to have a son who was going to turn the hearts of the people of Israel back to God. And Zechariah was like, how can this be? Me and my wife are so old. And the angel said to him, surely it's going to happen. But because you doubted, you're going to be mute until the time that your son is born. And then suddenly he was unable to speak and he goes outside of the temple and all the people are looking at him as, his, as if he had seen a vision, but he's unable to explain it. So he literally has to get tablets and write down what he wants to say to people because God made him a mute because he doubted. Again, the title of the study tonight is that with God, nothing will be impossible. And this is true when God has a will for your life, when he has a mission for you. Nothing can stop that when you are with God, when you are abiding in Christ. So after this announcement that John the Baptist was going to be born through Elizabeth and Zacharias, which Elizabeth does conceive in a miracle, Finally, in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, it reads, Now in the sixth month, from the announcement of John the Baptist's birth, then the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was was Mary. So again, this is six months after the conception of John the Baptist. Gabriel, the archangel, is proclaiming the birth of Christ. Now, that word for angel, the Greek word that is in our Bible, it's the same meaning as messenger. And Gabriel, this archangel, had a message to Mary to proclaim to her that the Savior was coming. Prepare the way. And I, I, 
that idea of being a messenger for God. It's a calling. It's a duty. And it's a privilege to be God's messenger. May we be messengers of the gospel within the next few, well, really until eternity. But especially now when we have opportunity to share with people, do you know why Christmas exists? Do you know why the word Christ is in our holiday Christmas? Now, Gabriel being an archangel, meaning he was the top of the angels along with Michael and what used to be Lucifer who turned into Satan. Gabriel was one of these archangels, the one to proclaim Jesus to the world. Now, there Nazareth, in verse 26, just off the coast of Galilee, a beautiful city and some beautiful views. The Sea of Galilee, what's really interesting about Israel is they like to exaggerate their, uh, their landmarks. So when you see the Sea of Galilee, it's really like a big lake. And when you hear about Mount, whatever Mount Ver, uh, mountains are there, uh, the Mount of Olives, it's not really a mountain, but it's really just a really big hill. And it's just quite interesting the way they do that. Now Mary was preparing for a marriage at this point in time in her life. She was getting ready to devote herself to Joseph. We went over already how they went through the stages as a Jewish couple would from being engaged to then being espoused, meaning like a very deep commitment in engagement. And in this deep commitment in engagement, there was, even if they were going to break up at that point when they were espoused to one another, there would have to be a written bill of divorce. And then finally, there would be the betrothal period, which is when they actually got married. But Mary and Joseph, right here, are betrothed, are promise to one another. So at, their, at this period when they're in this engagement, Mary has her mind set on this track of her life, of this is what I'm going to be doing within the next few years here. But little did Mary know that God was sending his messenger. God was sending his angel, Gabriel. She had invested herself with this relationship with Joseph so much that at this point, it would have been heartbreaking to try to explain if he didn't believe that this birth that she was going to have was a miracle from God. What Mary didn't know was that God's plan for her was about to take her into the beginning of the most important calling of her life. Mary's life was about to be interrupted. And I can't help but think, for us listening, for the Christian who's listening to, to this right now, are you prepared for God to interrupt your life? Are you expecting the unexpected 
Or is your schedule closed so that God is not able to reschedule what you have? In fact, I know that this year a lot of us had so many pursuits, so many ideas of what we wanted to do in the year 2020 that was met with great interruption, great challenge, great trials, great expectations that were put on hold. And some for the better and for some items of our plans this year to actually benefited us to have so many things change. But we need to be expecting the unexpected. You see, when we expect the, the unexpected, we are not easily disturbed or moved. We just flow with the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit guides, wherever the Spirit leads, you want to jump into that flow. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. In verse 28, it says, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. See, what's the first command here that this angel gives to Mary? He says, rejoice. She was to rejoice. And why was she to rejoice? At the end of verse 28, and it says, because the Lord is with you. She was highly favored. That was a title that he gave her, highly favored one. But he said, the Lord is with you. She was blessed among women. That word for blessed, literally translated, means, oh, how happy. And that's what it is to have blessings, to have these things that bring joy. But all this was founded upon the Lord being with her. You see, unity with God brings forth rejoicing. But when there's disunity, you see, when God made Adam and Eve in the garden, mankind had unity and rejoicing with God on earth that we have never experienced. It was something beautiful that we read about. Adam and God the Father walking through the garden in the cool of the day and Adam naming all the different animals. God giving him his wife, Eve, and them sharing that relationship with each other, with God, learning about who God was, speaking with him. But something got in that way of that unity, something got in the way of the Lord being with them. It was sin. Sin broke the most beautiful unity a person could have. That's a relationship with God. This is why God hates sin. God in his infinite wisdom knew that this was going to happen. And yet he still gave us free will. He still allowed for us to come to make our own decisions because he loved us and he wanted to have that loving relationship with us. 
with you. And he had a plan this whole time to reunite humankind with him fully and completely. And this plan was found in Jesus, his son. You've heard me teach this before. The idea, the word for religion comes from two Latin words, re and ligari. Religion means the re is again and ligari is a connection, a bond. So it means to reconnect. Now, if it's reconnecting something, that means that there was a connection, it was broken, and you are now reconnecting it. And that's what religion, in its purest form, is supposed to be. Us being unified with God. So listener, I have this question for you now. Are you with God today? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him? Are you in his love? In Jude chapter 1, verse 21, it states, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. See, how much of our trials and worries would be put to rest if we would simply keep ourselves with God? How much fear and striving would cease when we realize that God is with us? Keep yourself in the love of God. God is merciful and he offers us eternal life. He's taken care of our greatest need, that is salvation. Look at verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, at this saying, we realize that Mary, in fact, was troubled and afraid because the angel had to tell her, don't be afraid. Now, Mary encountering the angel was, of course, a shocking experience as it was to many others in the Bible that we read about. But notice, it doesn't say that she was troubled just at the angel alone. But in verse 29, it says she was troubled at his saying. She was troubled with what the angel was communicating. She was troubled with this message from Gabriel that God was with her, that she was blessed and favored. She was fearful. The Bible speaks on fear in 1 John 4.18. It says fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Christian, do you find yourselves afraid in the season that you are in? Has fear hindered your walk with God? And do we fear the call that God has for us? 
Now that whole verse is a response if you are in these categories of fear. And first John again, first John 4:18 it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear." Again, first John 4:18. Are you afraid? Open yourself to receive God's love. Do you have worries and anxieties? Then keep yourself in the love of God. His love is a weapon against the enemy's tactics. Mary was troubled. It says in verse 31, the angel continues, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now Mary is given the greatest promise from God that she was to conceive the Savior. Oftentimes, we doubt God's love because we relate to God the way that we relate to other humans. We think, why would God bless me? Why would God love me? Why would God have grace upon me when, I, when I've done this wrong? I know myself. I know the evils. If I was God, I wouldn't bless me. But that's not the way that God works. See, God's not like Santa Claus, where he's got a naughty and a nice list. And we don't have to work for God's love. But God's love is given to us through grace, meaning you can't earn it. There's no amount of works that you can do to earn his blessings. Perhaps part of the reason why Mary was so troubled was she was overwhelmed with the love of God, that God would choose her, call her highly favored, and make her blessed. When we are there in the presence of the Lord, like the prophet Isaiah, we fall down and cry, woe is me, I am undone. When we realize we are but sinners before a holy God, it is the proper response to then bow down and worship. God is so holy. So then I challenge us Christians this evening to open ourselves up to the love and grace that God has for you tonight. God has brought you this far. You've been blessed. Perhaps we do deserve worse than where we're at. That's, that's the fact. But God has chosen 
to be gracious unto us. May we follow after him and receive that grace. May we turn away from sin, from fear, from darkness, and turn towards God and walk with him in holiness, in love. Now, Mary, given this promise, she realizes the entire history of the problem with sin and humankind was going to be solved through this child that she would bear. Her son would be the greatest man that ever lived. He would be a king and his reign would be for eternity. Now this promise that was given to her was pointing not just to the momentary natural life that they were living, but also to eternity. At the end of verse 33, it says, and his kingdom, there will be no end. So this promise pointing to eternity for Mary, for the Jewish nation, for the entire world. As Mary now is hearing this angel say that she's beginning to look beyond the temporary and looking into eternity, to a kingdom where there is no end. So must our sight also be placed beyond this life that we're living. May we live with an eternal perspective because we have one life and it's soon going to be passed and only what we do for Christ will last. So in any season that we find ourselves in, may we have that eternal perspective. When we're in a trial, may we realize that God is using it for good. When we're being blessed, may we realize that heaven with Christ is going to be much better than the blessings we have here in this world. And when earthly things come and go, realize that these things are not eternal. Oh, Christian listener tonight, is what we're doing having an eternal impact? Or will it fade away with the rest of the world? Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, Paul wrote, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. What Paul is referring to here is that day when God is going to judge our hearts and motives, the activities that we did, and he gives us this illustration of what was done in a worthy manner, what was done out of a selflessness is, is found to be gold, but what was done with selfishness involved turns into hay and straw and it burns away with nothing lasting. So we look at our, 
our motives. We look at our activities that we're doing today and we ask ourselves, is this having an eternal impact? Is the work of my hands worthy of the gold in heaven? Or is it just hay and straw that's going to be burned away? When you have this perspective, suddenly you realize that all the busyness that we allow ourselves to get worried about, it's not as important. But what's more important is knowing that we're with God. So Mary says in verse 34 to this angel, 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? So Mary, with a human perspective, reasonably is saying, how how am I going to have a child? What do you mean? And we think it's impossible. See, when we try to sort out how God can fix things for us, we end up just growing to be anxious, worrying, thinking of all the things that God's probably not even going to do. Because in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Wow. I I think of what Joseph probably experienced as he had this vision that one day his family would bow down to him in honor and respect. And then God took him through some of the craziest trials that anyone has ever suffered, being sold into slavery, being thrown into prison. And then finally, being made second in power in Egypt, second to Pharaoh. Joseph would have never thought, in his wildest imagination, the methods that would happen in his life, that God would use in his life to get him to that place where his family would come to him asking to help for food in a famine and bowing down and paying honor to him. Because Joseph's thoughts were not God's thoughts, nor were Joseph's ways God's ways. God's thoughts are not Salvador's thoughts, and nor are Salvador's ways God's ways. Salvador, God is thinking way higher than what I'm thinking. So may we then, what do we do? We just trust in God's plan. We trust in God's process. We walk by faith. We surrender to him our activities. Now, it doesn't mean that he just wants us to lay back and just sleep all the time and God's going to take care of, of the work. No, God calls us to responsibilities. But it's when we're striving against the Holy Spirit, when we're striving with selfishness rather than just giving up to God and letting God just take care of taking us to places that he wants us to go to. In verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said to her, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now we have here the upon experience. I love this truth that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of the worshiper. And as that Holy Spirit presence is dwelling inside of that worshiper, and the worshiper begins to walk in that abiding relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit then begins to flow out of that worshiper and flow into others. This is known as the upon experience. The Holy Spirit can come alongside a sinner and convict them of sin. And then when that sinner accepts God, accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of that person. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit can flow out of that person to be used mightily and and remain there, but working through that person now, rather than that person working without the Holy Spirit. And may we find those gifts where the Holy Spirit has gifted us in that instead of relying on our own strength, our own mind, our own desires, we simply allow God to flow through us. There is an interesting challenge that I've seen worship leaders and teachers of the Bible have of finding that balance of allowing God to flow through them and then taking upon the work themselves without the Holy Spirit. They need to have both. They need to have that balance of work and responsibility to know, to have skill, to have knowledge. But they, more importantly, need to have the Holy Spirit in them. For if a man, including myself, was to come and to give truth without the Holy Spirit, I'm condemning myself. And I'm using knowledge now to puff others up. If the Holy Spirit's not involved in their heart and in in their mind, knowledge puffs up and pride so the Holy Spirit needs to direct and needs to sp- he needs to speak. He needs to guide. And in your life, when you are filled with that Holy Spirit, that upon experience, it's quite awesome how God then creates this Holy Spirit power in you to do tasks that are simple. When you go to the grocery store and you notice there's uh, somebody who's struggling to pay for their groceries and you, you pay for the groceries and God opens the door for you to do that and maybe to, to tell them that Jesus loves them. Suddenly your work is being used by the Holy Spirit wherever you go. When you're a family man who's taking care of his family, making sure that your work is in order and that you're doing things to show that you are honorable and respecting persons of authority so people know that you're different. 
God is using that so you can have that upon experience of the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. Some people have that calling in their life to be a mechanic, to be a nurse, to be a teacher, to be whatever it is, an artist. And when the Holy Spirit's involved, it's powerful. May we allow the Holy Spirit to be upon us every day. The power of the highest overshadowing us. We recognize that because of this overcoming, this upon experience in Mary's life, that Jesus, the Savior, came through. So may Christ flow through you tonight. In verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this now, the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. So, believer tonight, Christian, are there things in your life that you see to be impossible? Are there obstacles that are, right now you are facing where you think, I don't see how it can be done? I don't know if I want to believe that it can be done because I'm going to be disappointed if it doesn't get done. God, With God, nothing will be impossible. Perhaps you're dealing with some heavy family issues right now. Perhaps you are struggling in sin. And you're saying, God, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. I'm failing. Submit to the Lord. Resist the devil. And he will feed. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You see, even when God doesn't remove those trials, remove those terrible things in our life that we so badly wish that God would take away, it's because God is using it in our life. You see, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. God is molding us and shaping us. And that's only true for the believer. For the non-believer does not have that promise that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the moment that a non-believer becomes a believer, then they inherit all of those promises of God. Because with God, nothing will be impossible. Perhaps you're dealing with the sickness of this age, the literal sickness There's COVID, there's 
the flu. There's all kinds of illnesses out there right now. You see, God has nothing too hard for him. He can heal cancer as easily as he can heal a headache. You see, we categorize these different things of like, well, this is really hard for God to fix, but this is easy for God to fix. Or God cares more about this, and he doesn't really care about these types of uh, struggles and trials. But that's not the way it works for God. God has his sovereign plan. And God can heal us, whether it's going to be in an eternity where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more sin, healing us forever. But God also can heal us here in the land of the living. And either way, we hope in him. We know he's the author and finisher of our faith. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So what do we do with that message? We share it. We apply it to our lives. We take it as truth. We walk in faith. We walk in hope, in joy, and love, knowing that Jesus Christ, that through him, nothing will be impossible. He has met our greatest need, which is salvation. So why do we get so worried about our temporary needs? May we trust him in all these things tonight, believer. Lastly, verse 38, then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, Mary, this is a proclamation of faith. Now, I'm not going to say that she's uh, one of these name it and claim it type of uh, believers who just says, Lord, give me the new convertible, and the Lord's going to give her the new convertible. No, but she's proclaiming what God has already pro- proclaimed to her, the word of God. She said, let it be to me according to your word, not mine, not my own selfish will, But God, make my heart, make my desires be your desires. Align me so close with you that as I move forward in a direction, I'm moving forward because I have this faith, this trust, and this relationship with you that I know this is what you're calling me to do. May I know you so well so that you can have your will completed in me, through me. Remember, Jesus told his disciples, whatever you pray in my name, it will be granted to you. So why weren't the disciples at that moment saying, all right, let's pray for all the money that we can get so we can do ministry and all these other things and build big churches? No, the disciples weren't praying that because Jesus was telling this to men who had already died to themselves, who had left their old life, submitted to God, and desired what God wanted. So God says, Jesus says to us followers, whatever we ask for in his name, he will grant. 
And what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? It means that you've died to yourself. You've picked up your cross. You came and followed Jesus. You see, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. So may we die to ourselves as we get ready now for Christmas. It's in two days here, Christmas Eve tomorrow. Some of us get celebrated for that also. You have a lot of opportunities with your family to, so that you can die to yourself. See, I'm sure there's going to be those instances where we tend to be selfish and want to do things a certain way with our scheduling and with the food and the pumpkin pie and the gifts and all these different things that we could get selfish about of, well, well, things need to be done this certain way. But believer, tonight, may we remember that we are representatives of Christ to one another. And not only to our friends and family members, but to the world. And may we use this as an opportunity to share with one another that with God, nothing is impossible. May we believe this tonight. So may we walk forward this week as we are just filled with the upon experience of the Holy Spirit, walking in his love and his grace. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord God, I pray and I ask that you would forgive us of our sins. If there's anyone listening tonight who desires forgiveness and to be known by God in a loving relationship, that's you tonight. Just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a blessing to go through these Christmas Bible studies with you guys. If you missed any of them, go ahead and uh, tune into our Facebook, our YouTube, and you could see these Christmas studies that we did, just did, these last three. But may you have a blessed and Merry Christmas this year. We love you. If you need prayer, if you would like to get in touch with us, feel free to do so. We would love to pray with you. And may Jesus show you this year, this new year, that with God nothing is impossible. have heard
bird on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Inspired your heavenly song. 